Shelby and Matt. And have been for five whole years. Wait, what is that the song of? Isn't it? Is that graduation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like it's like the No, that's era. the Olympic song. Oh, you're right. You what were, is the graduation? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, now I'm only thinking of Pasha Bell's canon. No, that's Jeffrey. <laughs> okay, no, what is, what is Pomp and Circumstance? I, now I'm on the spot. I'm never going to remember this. No, I, I admit that was my bad. I did not graduate, so... Well, and you graduate after four years, usually, not after five. So Five years. I know. But, you know, some people... (laughs) Some people (laughs) take a little bit longer, a little bit extra time to figure it all out. (laughs) Although I I guess... I wanted it to be special. So maybe the Olympics was the better better thing. Yeah, because we've been training for so long, (laughs) trying to reach this point. Have we gotten any better in the past five years? Unclear. I would probably argue that we've maybe gotten worse. Because at the beginning, I feel like I we took this so seriously. I yeah, had no. so many notes, like yeah. so many things written down. And now it's like, okay, yeah, I have some notes. It's like, oh, wait, like, we're supposed to be on the phone? Oh, here. Uh, yeah. And then suddenly you're comparing Oppenheimer to Barbie. It's a whole mess. Like, it all <laughs> falls apart 40 minutes in every week. Um and I also feel like our um, our beloved audience, our special collection of pissers, uh, yeah. has plateaued in a way that I don't quite know how to navigate. You know, like I'm happy with it, I'm fine with it, but it is interesting that there was there was growth. I think it's hard to come into a <laughs> podcast five years in, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to start telling our friends to tell their friends. If if every person can recruit two people and those two people can recruit two people, then that well, pyramid. So it's like we're supposed to be having like like if we want more listeners, we have to have guests on. But that's like more work. We're so lazy. Where do we find these people? Yeah, like I should be on Twitter or whatever, like being friends with film people and trying to get them to come on our podcast. Yes, you should be. Yeah. Comedians I think that's and other the message is that promotional you, people. You're failing this podcast. <laughs> no, I definitely am. I'm and I apologize for that. I'm sorry. You're the weak. We were gonna be millionaires off of this if it had only I been that I would work harder. Yeah, I know. I talk about it with my therapist like every week, like, oh, Matt still hasn't acknowledged my latest Photoshop extraordinaire. <laughs> No, some of them are really good. I feel like I've acknowledged Thanks. that. You know some that of them has t- the Barbie better. one was yeah. incredible. The way that you some that you took that picture of me with the champagne bottle I and know. like cropped me in half and it made made it look like the legs were mine yeah. was. Does that make you feel good? 
I was You're like, halfway wow. to Ryan Gosling. Like, wow, I'm halfway to Ryan Gosling. Well, except for I feel like probably the like the better half of me is like the bottom half. So really, you like you really I'm humbling did you. me a disservice there by like oh we'll put the worst half of him and honestly probably the worst half of Ryan Gosling. So it's the, <laughs> if you had to put us together, that's the worst way to do it. Yeah, well, uh, beggars can't be choosers, but no, I. I do feel like that has been growth, solid growth for us. But I honestly can't believe it's been five years. Like, yeah, this no. is the longest relationship I've had outside of my marriage. You understand? Yeah, like that's of, true. Like, well, of weekly commitments. <laughs> and I guess, like, you – we started the podcast after you got married. But I have yeah. known you since before you were married. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I knew the pre-married Shelby. Yeah. And yeah. also, you – you didn't have a baby when we started this. Crazy. You lived in Texas you, still. I mean, you lived in Texas you for were most of this. Straight. I was straight. <laughs> yes. Yes. Can't get into that. No, we'll definitely. No, we'll be getting into that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a wild five years for us. And um, as we were facing this, you know, remarkable uh, celebration, we wanted to do something special, i.e., confusing and kind of hard to follow and probably long and meandering <laughs> and always with a list always always um, with a list well we were trying to come up with ideas and i came up with what i thought was a really good idea and then realized that we had actually basically already done yeah. the same episode like three years ago and i had just completely forgotten about it yeah. for the end of the decade yeah. and so i was like okay well damn it, now we need to come up with something different and something that felt big and yeah. sort of like all-encompassing. And I yeah. honestly do feel like, okay, we've been doing this for five years. I, w if there is a single person who has listened to five years worth of episodes, <laughs> like I would be floored. Um, because I feel like people sort of like dip in, dip out, listen to the stuff that interests them, you know, like they don't, People don't watch all the movies or the TV shows. We definitely have different numbers on different things. Yeah. So I thought it might be good to sort of have like a reintroduction of mm -hmm. ourselves or like a more fully fleshed out version of ourselves for people yeah. listening who maybe have joined only recently or have only listened to certain episodes and give them a full taste of who we are as people and our pop culture journeys, our life journeys, which I feel like have been pretty interesting and chaotic mm -hmm. for both of us. So yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was humbling putting together this list. So we challenge yourself to find ten moments in our lives, pop culture related, pop adjacent, you know, whatever it is that sort of shaped us into who we are. You know, hence the graduation pop and circumstance song. I think that should have fit better um if only i could remember it yeah if we knew it it may, may be that the pomp and circumstance is not one of my uh 10 items <laughs> what are wait are you humming what are you humming now i was trying to think of it but it's Just fine it's do, it's gone do, 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 do. um yeah so we're each pick 10 things it's sort of like our life as represented by 10 pop culture artifacts, movies, TV shows, music, news moments, a little bit of this, a little bit, live events, if you will, mm. um, all kinds of things. 
we're going to go through them in chronological order, going back and forth between us. We also have dates assigned to them so we can try to guess what the other person's <laughs> moment is. Give some give some clues, give some hints. You can play along at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of these, I think, will be much easier to figure out than others. I have some <laughs> obscure things on my list. And I would like to Least say this. The surprising thing you could say. I would like to say this up front. These okay. are not my 10 favorite things. These right, are not right. like the 10 things I enjoy the most or even necessarily like the 10 most impactful moments, even though some of they are in certain ways. These are like 10 things that I feel like, uh, like if you were to like, I don't know, put a museum together or something that was like, here's like, like these things represent a life or like different facets of me, different parts of my history. So I tried to pick things that were like different and from different places and spoke to different aspects of my personality and past and that kind of thing, rather than just picking, you know, my 10 favorite movies, which is a whole yeah. different podcast, which we've, you know, which we've done, done <laughs> which we've done, which we've done. We've covered a lot of this. Yeah. I was thinking that some of these things might not surprise. They've probably been brought up before, hence them being an important part of our history. Um, but I think, yeah, we'll be able to add some context and really add some flavor to who we are as not only podcasters, but really people. Yeah, I was looking at my list and it's like, we've definitely talked about some of these on the podcast, but I don't know if we've actually done a full episode on any of these things or really even discussed them in a important way i i'm sure i've just brought them up at various points yeah yeah so we shall no, see it's true do you have any other caveats or clarifications or anything before we get started well no in true chaotic fashion like you said neither of us knows the others list um that means that there might be disparities in how we interpreted said pop culture um what do you call it Ar archival moments. <laughs> archival moments. Yeah. Things. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, uh, but we're yeah, doing no. whatever we want. This is our yeah, podcast. Yeah. 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 If we're so doing different things dark, on the like, same episode. Sorry. No, no, that couple of mine are dark too. I also, <laughs> okay, okay, I also do think that we might have one in common. Oh. Uh, there was one that I was like, wait, I feel like Shelby will probably also pick this. Oh my god. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. if you did or not. Ooh, how exciting. Okay, well, um, as the most loud and abrasive, do you want to go first? or? Sure. <laughs> okay, my first item is a movie. Okay. It came out on April 10th, 1996. 96. So I would have been five years old at this point. I don't believe that I saw this in theaters. I think <laughs> I watched it later on VHS. Um, but... It's uh, a movie that I think I've definitely talked about on the podcast. Um, it's based on a book. Oh, I know. I know. What? It, is, it, is it Romeo and Juliet? No. No, no, Dang no. It. No. <laughs> no, that is a good guess. Um, no, it's uh, based on a children's book. Oh, okay. Okay. This is The VHS tape was orange. Oh, oh, so it's like Harriet the Spy, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Harriet the Spy, the movie. Ugh. You could have led with Orange and I probably would have gotten that right there. That's that's seared into my memory. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a, the Nickelodeon VHS tapes are, you know, it's yeah. like that Rugrat in Paris. 
like what else <laughs> would I have selected, I guess. But no, Harriet the Spy is one of my favorite books. I read it as a child. I watched, I've seen the movie a bazillion times. I've actually watched the movie first and then read the book. So like, while I love the book, the movie is the thing that's like most in my mind. Yeah. And I feel like it, like I, there's not a character in literature that I just like immediately glommed onto more than Harriet the Spy. She's like nosy. She's running around New York City, like sneaking into people's houses. She just loves eavesdropping. She's sort of real bitchy. She has all of these <laughs> opinions about her friends that she writes down in a notebook. And the sort of takeaway of the book and the movie, which I feel like we should not be telling kids is sort of, yeah, you know, these things about other people, they're true. You just can't tell them to their face because that's rude. Sometimes you have to lie to people and be like, yeah, you're okay. Even if they suck and <laughs> otherwise you'll get bullied for it, which that informed your existence. is a life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> that I take with me to this day for better or worse. No, it's about journalism. She's a writer. She starts a newspaper at the end. Um, there's like all kinds of petty drama that like doesn't really mean anything, but is interesting. And I don't know. I just I love the book with her so much and the movie. Yeah, I have a I have like a print because uh, the book is illustrated. Like not really, but you mm -hmm. know, there's like illustrations in it, and I have one of the illustrations hanging in my bedroom. That's how much I like it. Oh wow! Yeah, no, I honestly. I don't know what this says about us or how this validates our last five years, but I was irritated by her as a character. <laughs> so <laughs> I never really got on board. That, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I don't I like, feel quite like... remember like why, but I think she does something mean to her friends or something that they take as well, mean. So she's, so she's like writes, she's just observing things and writing things yeah, down yeah, in a yeah. notebook. And then her friends find the notebook and read all of these bad things that she's written about them. And she's like, yeah, but these are true. Like they're, they're just observations. <laughs> and so then they all like, uh, excommunicate her from the group. And she decides that she's going to get systematic revenge on everybody in her school <laughs> classroom by pulling off these like horrible pranks. Like she cuts one girl's hair. Like Damn. it's wild. And yeah, then, and then at the end, she's like, wait, now I'm miserable. I have no friends. And her nanny is like, yeah, you can think these things about people, but you can't actually say <laughs> them to them. Sometimes like if somebody, if somebody cooks a meal for you and the meal is bad, you still have to say it's good because you have to make them feel good. And you, right. and that's how like working as a human in society is it's like social graces. And she's like, yeah. hmm, uh, okay. And so then she goes and apologizes, but like, does she mean it? Hmm, unclear. And then she starts, <laughs> the, and then she gets elected the editor of the school newspaper. Oh, wow. Look at that. Crime really does pay. It does. That's amazing. Okay, what's your first? Um, okay, so it is a series that okay. I first glommed onto in, let's say, 1997. Okay, a TV series, but it's an old. No, no, no. TV it's a series. it's a book. It's a oh, it's a it's book a, series. Yeah, it's a series of books in featuring many a character, um, and it had like a spinoff uh, collectible items. Spinoff collectible. <laughs> oh, oh, is it American Girl doll? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I also read yeah. those books, so they're good. At least some of them. Yeah. I still think about. 
is it Molly who goes to camp and plays capture the flag and makes the yes. bridge out of all the boats? Iconic. I think so, yeah. yeah I think Molly about it all the time. The World War II mm-hmm. hero. Um, yeah, no, I love these books. They're like good early readers. And I loved like historical fiction or like history. So you had Felicity in the Revolutionary War. You had Josephina. You had Addie. Kirsten was my favorite. She was like an immigrant from – I don't know, Norway or something. Yeah, yeah, because she had the candles on her head. (laughs) Yeah, and then um, Kit was introduced when I was two thousand, when I in the two thousand. So I like remember the new doll. I was lucky enough to be blessed by Santa Claus with the Molly doll, Mm. which frankly that works. It feels like offensive because it's just because we both have glasses. You know, it's like I feel like did I identify with Molly? I don't know. I did not wear braids that much now, but. But it was fun. And then I also got Kirsten, which I loved more. Um, I just feel like they were really cool books, one, because you learned so much. Like, you know, it's a good introductory into a lot of different historical moments. But two, I once, like, started to wonder, like, how did I become a feminist? (laughs) And I feel like it was nice to be introduced to these books at such a young age and to just, like, know right away that, like, girls' stories are interesting and valid and, like, there's so many different kinds of girls, you know? So I credit that that series with a lot of my uh, early understanding of the, the power of womanhood. I read a lot of the American Girl doll books and really enjoyed them and then started asking my parents for one of the American Girl dolls and uh-huh. then suspiciously was not allowed to read the books <laughs> anymore. <laughs> So, oh no. Now you need to buy traumatic. yourself a doll to heal your I inner know. child. I thought about going as Samantha for Halloween one year because oh, I think cute. that would be iconic. Samantha is your brand. You know, she's kind of like the rich girl, like the is kind of out of touch, but like thinks she's in the know, you know? Is she isn't she's like raised by her grandmother though or something, isn't she? Yeah, but like she's very like, oh maybe, yeah. She's very I think like stuffy. Her parents are and, dead. Probably, but she's still very privileged. She's a very okay. privileged little princess. I mean, it's like there's a lot of jokes out there now about this early, like, original crew of American girls because obviously they, like, have added to them since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny. Like, I used to get the American Girl, like, magazine, like, you know, catalog, I guess, um, mm-hmm. where you could, like, buy their accessories. And it's like Kirsten had, like, a sad potato sack and, like <laughs> – Josephina is like a I don't know a goat or whatever and then Samantha's like here's my velvet canopy bed and it's just like <laughs> you're so Not out of touch somehow <laughs> poor Josephina uh you know the worst mm. one was Felicity I remember reading like two books yeah. of, about her in World War II and how she or I mean in the Revolution War how she yeah. loved horses I was like nope this is not for me we're on to the, <laughs> the next original one. horse girl horse, yeah I was like girl. no it's like we yeah. gotta go back uh, um okay <laughs> my next one is also a book series okay. uh this is probably the least surprising thing to appear on this list uh the first one came out in 1998 in the U.S. it came out Earlier in the UK. Harry Potter. Yes. Oh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter is like... It's the iconic part of our childhood. Harry Potter is tough for me. I feel like it's so hard. It speaks, I think, in a lot of ways to the journey I've had as a person where I I loved Harry Potter. I wrote 
so hard for them. I've read I read the books dozens of times. I saw the movies. I saw them at midnight. I had yeah. all of the Harry Potter Lego sets. I, you know, mm-hmm. went to the theme park on the summer it opened. Uh, like anything that one could do as a Harry Potter member, I did. Like I got early access to Pottermore by doing these like (laughs) weird online scavenger hunts, you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And you can track like my evolution as a Harry Potter stan, I think on this podcast in real time Mm -hmm. as the JK Rowling transphobia plot line unfurled. And I was sort of like, well, no, like she's not that bad. Or I think it's taken out of context or, you know, whatever, trying to like find excuses for her. And then now being like, no, this woman is absolutely terrible. (laughs) And so much so that I feel like I can't really even separate Harry Potter from her. Like the whole thing just kind of has a bad taste in my mouth, which sucks because I love the books and I think that there's so much one so many wonderful things about the series mm-hmm. and the movies and all of the accoutrement but yeah. <laughs> but I, I i just can't anymore it's I like know. like one of my somebody or another wanted to go to the harry potter store there's like a harry potter store opened in oh, uh new york yeah. by the Flatiron, and they sell butterbeer there which is like freaking delicious yeah and i was like i can't do it i can't buy the butterbeer i was like i i'm like physically unable to buy and drink this yeah. beverage any longer knowing that the coins will go to a transphobe's coffers yes who already has the deepest coffers i know but i can't give her another six I cents know. or whatever she's getting off of butterscotch well and it's like like i think there's been sort of a reckoning with the text itself even which i can appreciate and yeah. but i think it's similar to like the barbie movie where it's like yeah this thing can be like messy and you can recognize the flaws of it now and maybe her biases and like oh yeah it is kind of weird the way they use the (laughs) enslaved race of magical people as a punchline but at the time it was like so it was so easy to like escape into as a kid and I think it's it's easy to want to write that off immediately and like hard and and like with a firm line but I think it was just like such a huge part of our childhood that there was so much good from it as far as imagination and like lessons about courage and you know friendship and all of this that's so, yeah, just so many people goals. reading yeah yes literacy we love to see it <laughs> truly there's some other books coming down the line that are not as good <laughs> um <laughs> but um i'm trying to think of next because okay i guess okay okay so i'll i'll talk about this okay because it was a big year for me um but uh in 1998 like okay. yours these are two movies that came out that show two different sides of my my personality, my my multitudes that I contain. And they have been a fixture and, in my life ever since. And they, they're linked together? They're not the linked together movies? by anything oh, else you're just grouping except them. their year. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, is this the two um was this the year of the volcano movie? I was like, <laughs> yeah. is that where we're going? Close. But no. Um let's see. Is that the first one is Jurassic Park? No, no, Jurassic Park was earlier, earlier, which yeah. admittedly I love, but it's just been such a fixture. It's hard to like say right. when that started. Right. Um, and we did a whole episode on that. And we did point. a whole episode. Um, so the first is a 
romance that's been made over and done up a million different ways. The second is a disaster flick that honestly speaks to the uh, breadth of humanity's uh, feelings and failures. Okay, this is 1988. Um, it is Independence Day 1998. No, is that? Uh, give me a give me a hint on the disaster movie. Okay, um, let's see. It's a ensemble cast featuring Elijah Wood. It's an ensemble cast featuring Elijah, and it well, it's not Lord of the Rings. No. What, what other movie was he in? Spy Kids 3. <laughs> That's the only one I can think of. Okay, I have not seen this movie, I don't think. Okay, it's Deep Impact. Oh, yes. No, uh, I it, was, it was uh, It was in theaters the same time as Armageddon, which is a far less interesting or well-made film. But it gets all the attention because of star power. But Deep Impact is like so good and i don't know why i was obsessed with it as a kid but i was like i've i've watched that movie so many times that i don't think i could even count them like i i would just sit there and it's like all about like a meteor heading towards earth and like morgan freeman's the president and so it's like there's different like povs of different characters going through different things like trying to stop the meteor trying to survive it blah 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 and at the heart of it it's just like this question of like oh my gosh like like what do you do you know like so and i as don't a kid, look up <laughs> just yeah. not a comedy just not a comedy and like truly emotional because there is like one of the main points of the film is like oh they they built these like arcs in the in the midwest that will be able to withstand the meteor strike but only like only a million people can fit in them or whatever and so there's oh, a lottery yeah. And it's like no one over the age of 50 will get the lottery. And my parents at the time were like 49. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what if my parents couldn't get in the lottery? Would I leave them behind? Like it really rattled me as a kid. I would just like cry every time I watched this. Loved it. It's just like really emotional to me and honestly stands up to this day. You know what I was really worried about as a kid was the draft. I feel oh. like I saw too many movies about the draft, and I was like, I'm gonna get drafted, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be <laughs> so bad know. at being a soldier, I'm gonna die immediately. Now I'm like, why? Like, we have not had a draft since like the '70s, uh, or yeah. maybe even the '60s. I was like, what was I? Con- like, how was I concerned about this? But I think it's because my it? dad yeah, like was obsessed with war movies, <laughs> and so I just saw all these movies about these, you know, teenagers yeah. getting hauled off, like, and I thought, wow, turn? this is my fate. <laughs> And there's no way I'm going to be strong enough or brave enough to live through the war. So Yeah, that's a tough feeling. As a woman, what a privilege to not have to worry about that. Um, right. Well, now I think you would, though, if you did another draft. <laughs> but also, if, changed, yeah. like, in drafts, they're mostly taking, like, 18 and 19. Like, I think I'm aged out of the yeah, draft you're, age. you're, like, middle-aged now. Yeah, I don't think you're I'm, quite there, but... Unless maybe, him, yeah. it's like the Mulan draft, and then you know yeah, it's like it's one member. First, yeah, first yeah, yeah, firstborn. Here I go. <laughs> um, the okay, other well, movie, the thing. as I was depressed, this healed me. Um, Ever after, which is oh the yeah, I have, you've talked about story. this before, but I've never seen this either. So stunning, so gorgeous, so quotable, and also a very surprisingly feminist text because in the end she's not even rescued by the prince she rescues herself and it's like so empowering and like and subversive of the usual rom-com of the day or like romantic you know love story of the day and it stuck with me and i could still watch it any any day any week like give me ever after and i'll be happy Mm. okay 
some that's uh, maybe at some point I have to watch some of these things, but yeah, yeah, you do. I've seen Harry the Spy. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and you've you've definitely seen this next thing. So this is a TV show. This is the one that I feel like might be on your list. Oh, okay. It's a yeah. TV show. It premiered in 2004. It okay. ran for six seasons. I know what it is, but I want you to be able to explain it for everyone at home. Oh, you don't want to guess? Well, I mean, I want you to give the clues for everyone else at home. Oh, okay. Um, so there, it's uh, it's six seasons. The writer's strike was during the fourth season. <laughs> uh, some would say that after that, it descended into madness to a level <laughs> that makes it Almost unwatchable. <laughs> However, you are an avid stan of even the ending, which yes. I don't think I I could say for myself. <laughs> I've come around to not hating the it drastically. My last dollar. <laughs> but but I really think the first like three seasons are where it's at, and then after that, yeah, not is it twenty four? That's good. No. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh can you imagine no. if i was like it's ncis yeah. uh <laughs> new orleans no it would be lost yeah iconic. iconic i didn't have this on my list but i wanted to but i didn't because i was like well i've talked about it enough they know i named my daughter after that show but yeah but it is i good. i love lost the tv show like obviously not as much as you do but i really love it a lot and i think it speaks to me because it was sort of the first moment in my life the, where there was like the monoculture, but also where I was like tapped in. I wasn't yeah. watching Lost the when it first started, but I like remember the advertisements and everything for it. And I think maybe like see between season two and three, uh, I start I got the DVD sets from That's like when a I friend started watching. and started and rewatched those. And there was one day where I watched like 17 episodes of oh, Lost yeah. in a row, which is crazy because usually I can't watch more than like two episodes <laughs> of something without getting sort of yeah. antsy and having to get up and walk around. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was very like pivotal. And it was also one of the first things that I got to watch that was like adult focused, that mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like a children's program. And there was all of the mysteries and I would would go to school um, the day after and sort of talk with my friends, talk with the teachers. We'd be trying to like piece things together, especially once the last season was on, like we would, ha- <laughs> I would have viewing parties with my friends. Yes. Uh, and then at the end of the se- at the end of the show, we were all so annoyed and so disappointed <laughs> and really hated it. Okay. it, but it just felt so like powerful and so community based mm-hmm. and I I was between this and American Idol because I feel like those were the two shows like of that time period that like cemented that for me yeah but it also was one of those things where I was like wait I love TV like TV is great mm-hmm. like and I want to be up to date on it and I want to read Entertainment Weekly and it just felt like I was in the middle of something which yeah. was an exciting feeling to have as someone who lived in the country and was decidedly <laughs> not in the middle of most things yeah well except the country but yeah um, um, no, I agree. I think it was like such a fun entry point for like the tweens and teens of the era because I was like, I remember, like you said, the DVD sets, absolutely hysterical that I would go over to Blockbuster and get like a <laughs> six DVD set of one season. I bought them and they were like, well, first I rented them to the neighbor, but then they were like $60. Oh, yeah. They were so expensive. Yeah. And I would like... I, yeah, I was binge watching them because my friend 
like introduced me to it and then my whole family like a lot of my family would join me and then one day I found my dad and he'd gone ahead without me which is so messed up but truly great and I read the article from that new book burn it down about like the making of and sort of the drama behind a lot of the biggest tv shows and unfortunately there's a lot of sad like nasty racism and sexism that was happening there and you can see it like now watching back like the stories of Saeed and especially uh Michael like the way they played their characters were so it was really messy but at the time it was so like diverse and different than anything I was seeing in little you know Davis County Utah that I like really I really liked how like I don't know. It it just kind of felt ahead of its time. And I'm sure that's naive to say, but from the media I was consuming, it was like nice to have so many different perspectives and people and belief systems at play. And so I think it was like really formative. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. And and watching like the Jin and Sun episodes that were all in Korean and with subtitles, it's like, okay, wow, that was a new experience for me that I hadn't had before. Also, thankfully, there really wasn't any gay characters on Lost. So my family would let me watch it. So, (laughs) you know, glad that we had some diversity, but not too much. (laughs) You're right. There was... That was a very heteronormative show. I'm yeah, to think it if is there was crazy that they, Well, there's the um one of the other guy, like the others, I think is gay, and there's they sort of like make reference to that a couple of times. Mm. But like like one of the C people, like he's sort of bigger. Yeah, yeah. He has like a beard. I can't remember what his name oh, okay, is. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise we didn't get that. I. The shows of that era are so interesting to me. We went back and, or I went back and watched the Emma Stone one that, what's it called? Speed, Rush, Drive, something like that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's basically like the Amazing Race version of Lost. And there's like this Hurricane Katrina plot line. (laughs) There's like the Iraq War plot lines. You're like, wow, they really, they they knew what they were. They were like, we got current events. We got to shoehorn them in. (laughs) Who's going to bring up the 9-11 first? You or me, but. (laughs) Right, exactly. Oh, Um, yeah. Well, we missed that. That, I think we we passed that that in the timeline. But but... I do have another dark story, which is the following year in 2002. This was a big national news story, but especially relevant to my good old state of Utah. Okay. A Mormon news story in 2000. It was this, is this John Benet Ramsey? Was she Mormon? No. <laughs> I'm just throwing things about what, uh, Mitt Romney? Something about no. Mitt Romney? Um, no. It, it's pop culture related. Well, it's, it was in the popular culture. Sister wives. Um, no, but you're getting warmer. It's uh, um, the Elizabeth Smart kidnapping. Oh, yes. The Elizabeth Huge. Smart. Yes. But then but then she ended up being alive. So yeah, yeah. Like, she was like horrible, but at least. No, yeah. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But this is a huge story. I don't know. I was what? I was 11 at the time, but I was like very aware of this story. Like every detail, every new like plot like every new what's it called like investigative finding i knew Did about you, like, know her or no no no, like, no 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 know people who knew her or anything no no i mean not at all but um she was like in a wealthy side of salt lake city different county and you know 
<laughs> social circle in my family. But it was like a little – she was around my age. She is just a young, blonde Mormon girl whose family had been like, you know, renovating their house and had invited this guy to come help. And he was able to like sneak in in the middle of the night and take her at knife point and like very scary, very much like nightmare scenario. So that alone grabbed me. But then it was like she was living – she was sharing a room with her little sister and it turns out her little sister had like heard him come in and see him, but was like too scared to tell anyone for a few weeks or like a week or two. And so then, then there was like all this conspiracy about did the dad know? And like they found like some proof of camping up in the hills and they're like, oh no, she's gone. It was just like a nine month ordeal that I was like very up to date on. It was the first like big story aside from obviously 9-11 that I was like attuned to by choice. And it was like sort of a harrowing moment where I realized like, (laughs) you know, life isn't all sunshine and bubbles. And like, you know, having that piggyback off of the 9-11 the year before kind of like jolted me out of my childhood probably a little earlier than I might have gotten away with. And um, it obviously was just like a very strange thing to be fascinated by at my age, but I think it makes sense why I found it so compelling, you know? Yeah, no. And I do think that's a fairly normal thing to have happen to kids that they fixate on some sort of weird tragedy or something because they're like, like with the OJ Simpson case or, um, or I mean, nine eleven. Honestly, yeah. They, like they just they were on the news so much, and you as a kid, like, don't fully like haven't encountered some of these feelings and things before, and so and you don't really know how the world works, and everything seems scarier than it is. So yeah, the threat of like being taken out of your bed in the middle of the night is yeah horrific <sighs> and just looming. I know, absolutely wild. We had this, um, I remember I was very focused on the DC sniper. Do you remember that case? There was like this guy in DC and he was like driving around. It ended up being that he would shoot people. He was like laying down in the back of his car and would shoot people out of like the keyhole in the trunk. But people couldn't figure out like who he was, what, what, how these people were getting shot. They were just like on, like hanging out in DC and just getting clipped. And then it, came to find out that he was trying to like kill a bunch of people so that he could kill his ex-wife and have it sort (laughs) of like be camouflaged by it but i remember also being very terrified that like at any moments anybody in a car could just shoot you yeah wow dark yeah Uh, okay my turn yes okay so this is not really a This is like a live event, which I would be shocked if you had ever even heard of before, because I was trying to think about like the media and stuff that I consumed growing up. And and one of the massive aspects of it, because I grew up in this like crazy, crazy Christian circle, was Mm -hmm. all of this Christian, like explicitly Christian media that like nobody else would know anything about. You know, it's like we had... Christian music was its own thing. There were Christian movies, Christian TV shows, like Veggie Tales, you know, stuff that I like feels very like, oh, wow, everybody knew this. Every like this is a cultural touchstone to me. But to everybody else, I'm sure no one has any idea about it. But we there was this concert, like, I guess, tour 
where they would put all of these Christian musicians together and it was called <laughs> Winter Jam. And they would like, I guess, drive around the country and do all of these like winter concerts. And every Christian youth group I was ever a part of, like, because they're struggling for activities that you can do right. that are Christian. And so we <laughs> always went to Winter Jam and it was the tickets I'm sure were like $15 a piece. And you would go and then you would have to one listen to all of this music, which I was never fully like into Christian music. Like we put like that was all we played at our house. Like we could only listen to the Christian radio station. But yeah. I was always kind of like I just like wasn't into music because I didn't really like that. But then I'd have to go to these concerts, and they would also all have these like testimonials about like virginity and about giving money to charities and there would be like altar calls and you'd have to confess stuff and you'd have to uh you know go down to the front and ask jesus into your heart and you were supposed to like bring friends who weren't christians with you and be like see look we're cool we go to concerts don't you want to be a christian too (laughs) and try to get them to like be converted in the middle of it yeah the whole thing, mildly tra- 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 traumatic looking back. Also not really that fun to go to in the moment. And they played these weird venues, like like minor league hockey venues and stuff. So I'm like, how? Like these poor artists were just like <laughs> driving around to these places. And must it must have been hell to be on those tours because they're not even... Like, they were filled with the light of Christ, man. I guess. But the craziest <laughs> thing and the thing that I will never forget is one year, you know, there was like a sign-up sheet at our church. And one year we, uh, you know, everybody's signing up. It's like all the, you know, high schoolers, middle schoolers, whatever. And this woman who's like 65 randomly signs up. Like she's not helping with the youth. She's just like this random woman who goes to our church. And we're like, okay, like why is Ardell going to this concert and we get there and we're all still confused about this and she's like wow like i'm so excited to see the president and we're like what and she's like yeah george bush is gonna be here and we were like what like one freaking out but two like there's no way that george bush is coming to this winter jam christian concert like this is just ludicrous and apparently she had read the flyer or like a website or something and there was a george bush impersonator who was going to be there and she had mistaken it for actual george bush and signed up on this trip and i'm just like who who, like what was going on in the minds of these people that i spent my upbringing with like just ludicrous yeah that is always the question isn't it (laughs) like she like got on the bus with us to go see george bush who was obviously not there uh, wow! Amazing. Did you have to go to those things, or like, did did Mormon people have music? Did they? I mean, did I know they have, have like hymns and stuff, but like, um, did they? Yeah, we had like a. Yeah, there's like. I I don't think we would borrow a lot from others, but we had our own little like pop groups, you know, or like acceptable. Who's the one I can only imagine was an acceptable. Mormon song. Oh, yeah, but that's like a Christian song. Yeah, yeah, but then there were also like Mormon artists who oh, okay. would do their thing. I doubt they were doing concerts per se. I'm trying to imagine if they could be that big like nationally, you know. Um, These were pretty, I, would have I mean, albums. they were like large but not large at the same time. Like yeah. they felt really large to me, but now looking back, I'm like, these venues weren't that big. Yeah, no, we would have um, like road shows, which is where 
like community <laughs> community like groups would go around the state and like put on little variety shows about Mormonism, but that's just like in people's church halls, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and gosh. then like the major historical sites would have like um what it, what would it be called? Like a big outdoor sort of musical mm, like dance a, like, show. Like those like 4th of July sort of like Yeah, and so they'd have like a Joseph Smith story type thing at the Nauvoo Temple. And I went to that a couple times or like for the big finding of Utah, <laughs> according to Mormon history. Yeah, um, I was like, well, and we yeah. all watched uh, <laughs> Under the Banner of Heaven, so we know how accurate that is. So they'd have big shows there too. Um, but no, I we weren't big on the – like I don't know always how to say I fall into Mormonism because in some ways I think we were more like, you know, like religion as our entertainment in some ways. But in other ways we definitely weren't as conservative and like hyper-controlled as a lot of other people. So – I don't know. It, to me, I was like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But then I'll start to list things. And I'm like, well, we did take a whole family road trip to like the church history sites and like <laughs> bought like <laughs> model stones from the first temple. Like, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm still processing that. Um, but I did want to talk about um, a TV show, a TV channel, a TV channel that really That's captured my my childhood. Um we had, the WB. No, we had the family CW. control network. We had parental controls on like everything except this network. And I would watch it religiously from like 2002 to like 2005. And there were no parental controls on this. No, it was just I could so, watch anything on it. <laughs> d- uh, like, I don't Disney Channel? A lot of it was like TV home, Land. Home makeovers. HGTV. No. <laughs> Oh, TLC. Yes. <laughs> okay. A big TLC. Like I've imagined trading spaces. That that woman who put the hay on the wall or whatever yes. was like, this is a barn literally, room. <laughs> literally, trading spaces was like our favorite show as a family. I was so obsessed with it that I kid you not, 2003, I'm, I'm 12. I'm feeling in control. I want my first big haircut. And I'm like, I want Paige Davis's pixie cut. No. And so I, <laughs> I chopped my like, you know – probably mid-drift length hair into this big old poofy pixie cut. You have to like iron out, flip out the edges, curl in the bangs. Absolutely iconic. I- <laughs> I'm i sure you did that once and the rest of the time it just looked like shit. <laughs> I did my best, okay? I I loved having it. I think it was also very – I think about that time – as a good time and the pictures make me feel embarrassed but then my my self now doesn't want to be embarrassed because I'm like well at the time I really liked it and like I'm proud of myself for doing something that wasn't considered beautiful <laughs> Aww. I just mean like I think there's something empowering about going against the uh, expectations and maybe status quo of what's expected of women um, and I really did just completely abandon all ideas and ideals about a girlish beauty. No, there's something very, I feel like, powerful and endearing about 
kids slash teenagers who are like, I want this specific style. And their yeah. parents are sort of like, that's not a good choice, but like, I'm going to give it to you. And then if they are like, and then you feel bad if like it looks bad and they feel bad, but if yeah. they're like into it, then it's like, yeah, like I'm going to support yeah. this. Like 100%. You are beautiful Yeah, with the Paige <laughs> Davis haircut. My Paige Davis, my Paige Davis era. Um, yeah. It lasted probably like, I probably kept that going for like a year or two at least. So I was into it. <laughs> I'm like looking up this haircut. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, Incredible. It vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's sort of almost like the Kathleen Kelly though. From You've Got Mail. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, got Meg similar. Ryan energy. Yeah. A little bit more like high maintenance, you know, a little bit more like, hmm, <laughs> how many products are you putting in there to get yeah. that volume? But yeah. It's got some Karen energy, but I feel like that yeah. is only looking back in hindsight. I feel like at the time, it probably didn't. Yeah, it was pre-Karen discourse, so we were safe on that front. Okay, I have a movie next, which came out on Christmas Day, 2008. It is not a Christmas movie. Um, it is an Oscar nominee. I Maybe a winner, actually. I can't remember. Uh, starring one of my problematic faves. Uh, huh. I don't want to Google 2008 movie releases, but I do. Would um, that, that, it's from it a, a very Lord of the Rings. No, 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 no. This is after Lord of the Rings, yeah, I yeah, believe. Yeah. It um, it came out. It was like the Dark Knight year. Okay, because I was gonna guess Dark Knight, but that wasn't Christmas. Um, I don't know. No, uh, it's from um, it starts Brad Pitt. Does that help you? At is all? it? Is it? Oh, and Ocean's Eleven? Chet? No. No. <laughs> it's about Mr. Smith? Aging backwards. <laughs> oh my gosh. No one remembers this movie. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. More people know The Curious Case of Benjamin Button than Deep Impact. I, I don't know about that. We're going to have to survey this, I think. <laughs> Put this on the Instagram story. Do okay, Which please, of these movies yeah, do, are you more familiar with? Explain how this. <laughs> no, this is this is a deranged choice. I feel like my like I am probably the one person in the world who like I, I yes. feel <laughs> this strongly about Curious Case of Benjamin. Button. I don't think anybody else cares about this movie. No one remembers this movie, or if they do, it's more of like a punchline to things. I this was two thousand and eight, so I would have been I think sixteen. And I got Entertainment Weekly because of the Lost situation. And this right. was the first time that I was acutely aware of, like, award season and Oscars and Oscar movies. Mm. And I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies. But we were at the point, because I was 16, where I could sort of watch most PG-13 rated movies as long right. as, like, my parents would let me. And I was really excited by all of these awards contenders and I wanted to see them but a lot of them like I think Slumdog Millionaire was this year the yeah. reader like a lot of them were rated R so I couldn't watch them and we were in Florida for Christmas at my grandparents and we all went to the movie theater and I can't remember what other pe what the other people in my family wanted to go see but I was like no like I want to see one of these Oscar movies that I have been reading about for months 
and Curious Case of Benjamin Button is only PG-13. I was like, I am an adult. I am a connoisseur of the arts. I will be going to see Curious Case of Benjamin Button. It's like two and a half hours. I got the largest popcorn in the world, which I spent some of my Christmas money on, and went and saw the movie by myself. And it was just like, I think I had never seen a like good movie before (laughs) and so I was like wow like this is so impactful I was crying (laughs) I thought it was like beautiful I thought the acting was so incredible I was like the way that the storylines tie together and he's aging backwards and she's aging forwards I was like wow like this is mesmerizing and then I got it on DVD I watched it like multiple times I was obsessed to the point where several years ago I was home for Christmas and like we ran into one of my brother's friends. So he's like a couple years younger than me. And like, I was never close with him. I just like only knew him through my brother. And he was like, Oh yeah. The one thing I remember about you is that you love the curious case of Benjamin (laughs) Button. And I was like, wow, I'm really carrying that with me like around, but I can't watch it again. I was like, (laughs) I, in my mind, it's this like beautiful masterpiece. It's perfect. It's everything. Like I remember certain scenes and I'm like, wow, like I still get a fluttered and I'm like, if I watch it again, I know I will hate it. So I'm like, we can't, we can't go back there. I only have the memory of Curious Case of Benjamin Button and I'm living with that. Yeah, I'm proud of you for for knowing your limits, you know, for honoring yeah, I'm like, we that can't have memory. another Harry Potter situation. <laughs> I'm like, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, I want to be perfect Curious forever. Curious Case of Benjamin. Oh, that's hilarious. I watched that too and I had the opposite experience, but <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Oh. Um, speaking of uh, counterculture, um, in 2007... 2006, 2007, a large part of my personality was yucking on other people's yum. Um, in oh, this Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, exactly. I've heard this story. I know exactly what this I is. Know. It's Twilight. I know. And, I hated and it. And from 2006, 2007, uh, one of my big personalities was loving Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> but only because I was romantically interested in Alice Cullen. And no other reason why I like these books. And it was very straight and very masculine that I did so. Yeah, Alice was just so hot. It was like, you could read so, it. And it was like, oh so my hot. Gosh. I was I'm just like, like so obsessed her. with her because, like, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boobs. Oh, no, Twilight, I know I've, you know, spoken my piece about it on this podcast over the last few years. But um, when it came out, like, a lot of my friends were reading it, so I like picked it up for a family road trip we were doing. And I didn't like it, and I was like, this is dumb. Why does everyone like it? But I was willing to let it go. But then the second one came out, and it was just like the floodgates of hell opened, and it was just like everyone was talking about like, oh, Team Edward, oh, Team Jacob, blah, 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 blah. And I just like was so resistant to this because I felt like probably – I probably struggled with a little bit of like feeling better than a lot of my peers in the reading department because – as a homeschooler, I'd read mm. so much so fast. So like I felt like I understood literature more and that they thought this was good was like, how could you even think that? And so <laughs> I would like host these like hate parties almost where well, I wouldn't host them often, but I remember vividly like when the third one came out, I like spent a whole lunch hour like rehashing them with like friends like just dramatically 
retelling them and like summarizing the plot and like being like this is so stupid and then this happened and it was so dumb and it's like oh my gosh like no my soul like that sort of stuff and it was funny everyone loved it everyone was like having a good time I felt like the coolest kid in class like I was like yes I have my audience (laughs) and I like I threw a sleepover where we decided it would be hilarious to record an audiobook version of Twilight where we each like take on different roles and voices and like just read the opening book and um it honestly was a very fun evening i don't i've wanted to find that audio again but i don't know where it was saved so it was probably lost to one of my old computers long ago um but it's still those are the memories that that stick with me from my time in high school um and i so i stand by it <laughs> at what point did you switch around though to twilight is a camp classic i don't think so I don't think I would say that per se. I like the movies as camp, but okay, I but still the find the books like just more problematic than they're worth. Like, and again, that's the feminist creeping out of me, but I was like so turned off by, um, what is her name? Bella's like narration and her weirdness. And then Edward like was so toxic and past and disgusting to me, like even as at that age, but the movies the movies do have a special sort of je ne sais quoi, um, just like a gorgeous leaning into their own <laughs> idiocy almost. Like, I don't know. I just, there's something very watchable about them, even though it's only like once every decade that I can do it. But they are, they're funny movies, I think, because it makes it obvious how the books don't work, you know? Yeah. The, the books like work really well in some ways and <laughs> and are so popular because of that. But then if you think about anything in them for longer than three seconds, it's like, yeah. wait, this is actually deranged. Like he's a vampire who's so old and he's, yeah. he's hanging like, out with like a 16 year old. into a teenage girl's yeah, room. Just lurking outside and, of like, her windows. And imagining eating her to death. Like that's, but, that's what his body wants. But me reading it was like, wow, romance. Yeah. <laughs> romance. <laughs> like, I want this. Is anyone yeah. lurking outside my window? Preferably uh, not Elizabeth Smart-Skeller, but anybody yeah. else. <laughs> I fell in love with the lamb. It's so <laughs> dumb. I hate it to this day. But I also was obsessed with it. And I recognized that that was, you know, an ironic approach. Because I was the one who was reading these books, like, on release day, you know, just so I could, like, make fun of it. Oh, them. yeah. So... <laughs> Stephanie oh, Meyer still got her dollar from me. Um, okay, my next one is also a book. Uh, okay. I I came out November tenth, two thousand and nine. I read it in college, though, so a couple of years later. Um, I can't imagine that you've possibly read this <laughs> book, but it's by one of my favorite authors. Uh, would you like to try to guess who that might be? They're very prolific. I mean, it has to be Stephen King, right? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. I won't know the book, but yeah, it's I feel Under bad the Dome, oh, okay. which is which is not my favorite of Stephen King's, but it is the first book by Stephen oh. King that I read, and so it I feel like holds a special place in my heart. I was home over Christmas break from college, and I had a Kindle, and it's truly one of like three books I've ever read on a Kindle, <laughs> and I. Thought I was like, oh, like, let me buy this. I, for whatever reason, didn't know how long it was. And so I bought it on Kindle. Again, like, couldn't see the physical book. It's like over a thousand pages. It's so, (laughs) so, 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 so long. And I didn't know until, like, I started reading it. And 
I basically spent the entirety of the break trying to get through it before I went back to college just because it was so big and so time consuming. And it's about this town where this like dome goes over the town and then they're all trapped inside and it's, you know, sort of becomes like a little Lord of the Fliesy and people die in different kinds of way. And they're trying to figure out what the dome is, why it's there, how they could get rid of it. It's very like classic Stephen King in that it has lots of different characters. They're all like really well defined. There's a lot of character development. The early part of the book is really slow. And then it sort of just like ramps up to this like crazy action towards the end where you feel really invested in all of these characters because you've spent so much time with them. And I think one, this made me love Stephen King, who I've read constantly since then. Two, I feel like this, because I was sort of a Brady cat, I think, in... Mm. Before this, like, I didn't watch horror films because obviously they were all rated R. I wasn't, um, I wasn't reading, like, scary books. And so this, I think, was the first time that I read something that was, like, sort of terrifying, even though Under the Dome isn't really a scary Stephen King book. And thinking, like, wait, I sort of love this feeling. Like, I want to read more horror. I want to get more into this. And I don't know, just sort of, like, unlocked something, I think, in me. And some of my favorite books are Stephen King books. Um, and I think he's an incredible writer. Also, the best book I have ever read about writing is by Stephen King on writing. And I think about that all the time in my career and have reread it multiple times. So I don't know. It's, it feels like a sort of a, a seminal moment, I mm-hmm. guess, in my upbringing of just like somehow stumbling upon this. And I don't even know why I decided to read this book. Like, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to me, but I liked it a lot. They yeah. also made it into a TV show a couple of years ago, which I did not watch. I was like, <laughs> this, I was like, I can't. Really get you involved. know your limits with media and how it will affect your opinion on earlier media. So good yes. for you. <laughs> yes. You're like, mm, this I like actually to pull your head in the sand. Put my head <laughs> in the sand. Put my head in the sand. Um, okay, well, in 2008, something happened that would forever alter my brain chemistry, my my interest, my bank account, my standing in Matthew's mind. Um, no, Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened this in 2008? This is when Love Story, the music video, dropped. And that was really mm. my first time I gave her a chance because – um, that was with Fearless. I had heard of her name and like probably heard some of her debut stuff, but I did not like country music. Like that was another part of my personality it was not, oh, I like this, but it was, I hate country music. We love a personality based solely on things that you don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was my high school. I was just very like anti, I don't know, establishment <laughs> in the most basic white girl way. But um So I hadn't really liked her, but then my friend was like, no, you have to watch this music video. Like, it's so cute. You're going to love it. And I was like, whatever. I hate country music. I'm not going to. But then like, you know, fast forward three minutes later and I was, I was obsessed. I was in love. I was like, yes, this song is sweet. This music video, it's giving me fairy tale. It's giving me romance. It's giving me Shakespearean illusions. Like I was all for it. Um, And it became such a it quickly became a part of my life to the point that my dad's like ringtone for me is still love story. Like it's just been custom since (laughs) that era. Um, And I don't really like, if I like sit down and try to think about like when and why I began like loving Taylor Swift, I don't really like know 
why it became such an obsession, you know, like to the point of where I am now. But I do remember just loving that music video and then suddenly like being on board with listening to her stuff. But it's not like I, yeah, I, I guess I did buy like Speak Now probably. No, I think Red was my first album of hers. Anyways, wow. that was the early. And now it's planning. launched a whole podcast. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. nine, nine, two. Oh, how was the, how, that was this weekend. Yeah. Yes, so you went to yeah. two more shows. How were they? No, were no. They so the second show is tomorrow, no. but the first show oh. was Friday. On a Tuesday? Was, yeah. She's doing six nights. So she did Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and is now doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. Very strange. And this different. is the one where you're on the floor with the good yes. seats. Yeah. Okay. Excited. Ah. I know. I was like, I could literally do a 10, 10 Taylor moments that define me, but um, I won't. So this was my- I could do 10 Taylor moments I hate. So <laughs> yeah. we just switch spots from, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll be high school version of you and be like, yeah, let's, exactly. let's do a recording of these lyrics. So stupid, yeah. am I right? You guys who wants to come over to my house and we can listen all to Taylor Swift because it's I dumb. Know. All in good fun, uh, <laughs> Okay, my next is also a music uh oh, okay. a music okay. related thing. Um what I am choosing to date this as is May twenty third, two thousand eleven, which is oh, when wow. the L which is when a prominent album was released. However, it was not their first album or when I became a fan of them. And it also is not my favorite album by them. But is it Katy Perry? Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Yes, of course. Lady Gaga. Yeah. No. In 2011, Born This Way came out, which is a great album. Yes. I, my music taste, and like, I think in maybe 2009, we got iPod shuffles for Christmas. Mm. Like I begged for them. And so finally my parents let us get them. And we got the ones that were, uh, you know, that were sort of like clips. Yeah. The mini ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like the little Gorgeous. mini clip ones. And I got a red one and it sure. only held like 80 songs or something. <laughs> and that seemed like so many at the time. But that seemed like so much. And the thing was, my parents are not tech savvy people. <laughs> so they didn't know how to use iTunes really. So I was the one who was using iTunes and I was also the one who was listening to music in my headphones. So they couldn't hear what I was listening to. So my co I would get MP3s from my cousins and put them on our iTunes and then I could sort of listen to whatever music I wanted to. So I mm. got to listen to stuff that wasn't necessarily Christian music, even though that's what I was supposedly supposed to be listening to. <laughs> and... Because I didn't really know music very well, whenever my cousins, my older girl cousins would call me and be like, hey, we're into this, I was like, great, 100%, like, all on board, like, no questions asked. Yeah. And I remember my cousin calling me and being like, hey, there's this girl, her name's Lady Gaga, she just came out with this song called Just Dance, we love it, we love her. And I was like, great, yes, done. <laughs> and that was, and that is how I became a fan of Lady Gaga, <laughs> and I have... Until my cousin calls me and tells me otherwise, I will be standing her. No, but her music's great. And I feel like listening to Born This Way, the album when it came out, I would have been in college. Or I guess May 2011, it was, that's when the album came out. But that would have been the end of my freshman year of college. Yeah. And so I remember that summer, like listening to it a lot and was just 
very sort of flummoxed because I had never encountered people who were like pro gay at all mm. in like high school and college and church, like anywhere, like everybody just hated gay people. And then I was like, here's this person writing very catchy songs and I'm like her and I like the music. And now we have this whole album about how we actually do like gay people. And I remember having to sort of like recalibrate with that. And at first I was like, well, I'm going to listen to the whole album, but I'm not going to like, be listening to Born This Way because that's sacrilegious. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, it's so catchy though that I have to like listen to <laughs> it. So Satan then I would works. like only listen to it like in secret. Like <laughs> even though I was already listening to it on my iPod, which people couldn't hear, I was like, I can't let anybody like know that this is happening. Yeah. So I would just like go and lock myself in the bathroom and listen to Born This Way. <laughs> and you know, I'm still a fan of Lady Gaga ever since. I think she's yes. a great actress. I think she's a great mm. musician. She's mm -hmm. a great singer. She's a great dancer. Mm -hmm. Art Pop is my favorite Lady Gaga album, which came later. But, you know, she's you fantastic. And, yeah. you know, I feel like she means so much to me. So, yeah, no. yeah love her. That's great. I love that story. Um, she would love it, too. You're like her little monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, of course. Mother. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so my next thing is an item. It was popularized in the late aughts, and I accepted it in true Utah fashion a few years late, so like peaking around 2009, 2010. Okay, okay so this would have been we would call late it an in high school. Yeah. An well, accessory. Yeah. yeah. So it's a clothing item. Yeah. Um, was it, oh gosh, I'm trying to, is it a, is it a, is it one of those, bra is it a Livestrong bracelet? No. <laughs> is, it, is it, uh, those like rubber bandy kind of, is it a, no. is it a bracelet of some variety? No. Um, uh, is it a necklace? Mm, it could be worn as such. Yes. It's very versatile. It's versatile and yet impractical. Is it like a scarf? Yeah. <laughs> Is the little skinny fashion scarves, you know? No. Yes. yes. I've seen pictures of you in those. And it truly was. Uh, you know, if you had talked to myself like then, I thought I was peak fashion. I felt like super confident. I felt like the like, Only the Paige Davis haircut yeah. overlapped with the mini scarves. I still had like pretty short hair. I had the I had a bob to mid-length like shoulder hair it's at just this era. you and Darren Aronofsky wearing yes, your scarves around. Literally. And I also would like to pair it with like a little like a little fashion vest, you know, like a little ooh, <laughs> little open, unbuttoned vest, like over a couple layers. <laughs> and even like throwing on a chunky necklace, wearing the scarf as a necklace, wearing the scarf in my hair, wearing the scarf as a belt. Like they were just so like, you know, they could how, zhuzh how up any outfit. Have? I mean, it wasn't like I had a large collection, but it's like I'd go through them, you know. So it'd be like, oh, I'd have two. And then I'd be like, oh, these ones aren't cute anymore. Let me get like another kind type thing. So I couldn't tell you how many, you know, cumulatively I had. But there was a collection. Uh, <laughs> it was a fever dream. Um, I'm I'm mocked for it now. But at the time, I got I got many a compliments. Um, so I don't know if they were just being nice and they didn't want to break my no. unnaturally high confidence, but, um, I felt like a ball. There's certain fashion items that are like, 
very in and then very out. Yes. And I feel like those are one of them. You know, there's some <laughs> things that's kind of like, okay, th- like maybe they're not in fashion now, but they probably will be again. But I, yeah. like, that's how I feel about like, um, like there was one year when I was working at H&M that the long fit t-shirt was in. Do you remember that? Like sort of the like Jason Derulo kind of energy of like, like a man's t-shirt that sort of was just longer. (laughs) And I had a couple that I wore and was like, wow, like so cool. And I'm like, that was the worst fashion trend. It was truly only in style for like (laughs) two months. And like, I hope we never see photos of me wearing that. And (laughs) and I feel like the the skinny scarf is similar. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, It's very cringe. It's very cringe. But I have to own it because it was my truth for probably too long. <laughs> mm. um, okay. My next one is October 20th, 2012. This is a, an, an event that I mm. attended. Okay. But it's also a television show. Is it like, that. Is it like the American Idol finale? Do you think if I went to the American <laughs> Idol finale, this would be the first year you've ever heard of it? That I wouldn't have brought this up at any other point? Okay, no. Okay. It's, it is a live event that was recorded, aired nationally, internationally, I guess, probably, on TV. Have I um, heard about this? Have I? Have you told me about this story? Yes, definitely. It. Okay. It holds a special place in my heart. Not, like, is it the, Survivor Associated? No. Okay. Um, Big Brother? No. It's a TV show that I used to be a big fan of, but I'm not as much of a fan of anymore. It's still on. Uh, We have talked about it in the past at various points. You definitely know that I went to this. I believe you. I just have such a bad memory on this. I've done it multiple times. Multiple times. Oh, my gosh. What am I missing here? Like, what's the gap in my... Okay, TV show. It's specifically related to a certain city. Oh, like um, that I still live in. (laughs) Wait, but what is it? I don't know. I don't know. I went to a Saturday Night Live recording. Okay, and it was a Bruno Mars episode that aired the week before Hurricane Sandy. Oh shoot. And the reason why this is so important is because it was the first time that I ever visited New York. Like, I loved SNL in high school, college. Like, at college, I was known for liking SNL and would help, like, and we didn't have, like, we had a TV in our room, but you didn't get cable or whatever. Like, you could just, like, play video games or watch YouTube videos or whatever. Um, And so I would, like, go to our student union and commandeer the TV that or one of the TVs that was there and have sort of, like, SNL watching parties and my friends would come and watch them. And so when I came to New York for the first time for a weekend, I was, like, the one thing I want to do is go to Saturday Night Live. And so we slept on – I convinced my friends to sleep on the street – and we Ugh. got in and we got tickets. We saw it. We were in the main recording. And it was truly like the most magical thing that has ever happened. I like loved New York, was immediately obsessed with the city, loved going to see SNL. We went to the Met. We got pizza. We saw the Statue of Liberty. We went to the World. Like we did all of the most kitschy tourist things. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this city is incredible. Like my you were friends. living that welcome to New York life. Yeah. No, exactly. If Welcome to New York had been out then, 
you might be a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> well, I feel like had I, had, like had that played, like I was because I was listening to Empire State of Mind yeah, on the train yeah. coming in and heading back home. I was like, wow, like this is. Uh, New York, crazy, right? You guys, like this is an <laughs> awesome place. And I feel like everybody else in the group was like, "Yeah, I was like dirty, and we walked a lot, oh, and theaters, like whatever." And I was like, "This is incredible! Like, I have <laughs> to be coming back here." I and so that episode of SNL is sort of like whatever, but the memory of it is transcendent. And also, Bill Hader did Stefan mm. on that episode, and also Tom Hanks randomly showed up in that episode. Can so you hear I, your laugh? I feel like you have a distinct laugh, right? Have you ever yes. tried to? <laughs> I guess I don't know. I watched the episode, obviously, when it aired. Um, and we tried to see if you could see us. But, like, the way that the SNL, like, cast or the NBC, yeah. like, thing is, like, there's certain seats that you can see and there's certain ones yeah. that you really can't. And we are sort of in seats that you can't see. So I'm pretty sure okay. you can't see us. But maybe you could hear us. I don't know. <laughs> it's that Midwestern cackle. I guess. So we're in the background. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm glad you had that experience. Um, okay, so my next thing, 2013. Uh, I guess I can give you an exact date. I forgot to look that up. You've been really good at really centering us. Yeah, and I know all of these exact dates of things that you're giving me. So yeah. <laughs> give me the exact date. I'll be able to get it right away. Okay, July 19th, 2013. But that but then more widely released later that fall. So I saw it in the fall. Um, this is a movie. It's a movie. It's a documentary. It's a documentary oh. that shifted my perspective on things that I'd already had questions about, let's say. Um, it really puts you in the mindset of someone without a voice. Uh, Do you think I have seen this? I feel like you must have. It was a very big film and it, and it, changed, it changed the industry about big film. what it was about a, a documentary <laughs> that changed the industry about vo about voices it, no it gave voice oh. to the voiceless i'm trying okay so this would have been the summer but before i went back to you know what i i went i was in austria when mm. this came out okay so that okay. summer is sort of a blind spot pop culture wise okay. but i'm trying to think if i would have watched the, it when I the came subject back. of this film has been in the news again recently for um, their anti-capitalist like uh, uh, views. Is it is it a global warming kind of doc? <laughs> no, it's Blackfish. Have you Blackfish? Have you heard of this? No, I've never <laughs> even heard of this. The Tilikum, the Sea World Orca. What? You've never heard of this? This was a this was a big documentary. <laughs> this is a big documentary. I'm pretty sure it won the Oscar. Um, it's like about the orca that killed like three people in in captivity at the Sea World. And the orca is now a capitalist. <laughs> well, now the now the orcas are destroying billionaires' yachts. They've become oh, they've become yes. anti-fascist heroes. Um, and it all started with our with our favorite Tilikum. Um, but no, this is a documentary uh, that's basically exploring the story of Tilikum, this captive killer whale who ended up killing three people, but also more pulling back on the controversy of captive orcas and animals and uh, sea worlds 
negligence and kind of um involvement. I don't think this was nominated for an Oscar. I'm pretty it's, sure it, it was. says the film premiered at the 2013 Sundance Film Festival and the only other thing that it's listed is that it was nominated for a BAFTA award. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, I'll believe you. Uh, basically I'll believe the you. same. The I'll same believe thing. you. But it was it a big deal. <laughs> I mean, it was in theaters. It made $2 million at the box office. Well, it was a different time, uh, you know, inflation. <laughs> inflation. That was a lot of money. Every ticket was only it is, two cents. I, I do feel like this is a very well-regarded documentary. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but... In 2021, for unexplained reasons, Netflix removed Blackfish from their platform. Yeah, 20, Netflix sucks. Netflix is on the well, side yeah. of... <laughs> <laughs> the of wrong the mega side. yacht owner, but um, no, I think it's a really good movie. It's it's like it's fast, it's quick, it's cool, it's compelling. Obviously, um, I liked it one because I've always been fascinated by orcas. I think they're just like gorgeous, cool animals, and that they're so intelligent. And I've also always had this sort of like itch about how weird like SeaWorld is. Like I went there once when I was like fourteen, probably. And it was just like, mm, this is weird. Like, they're just in a big swimming pool. They just like, after they do their big show, they're just like put in a smaller swimming pool where they just kind of like literally sit there depressed. And so this like- Is SeaWorld still open? SeaWorld is still open, but after this movie, they no longer let like, they no longer let the people like perform with them. Like, so they can't like ride the orcas or like get in the water with the orcas. I don't know if they still do orca shows. Um, I think if they do, it's changed drastically. But um, yeah, no, it was a big deal. I'm realizing I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and one of their poll quotes is from the Deseret News, which is a Utah <laughs> Utah newspaper. Wow, so maybe it was so a maybe big this Utah was like phenomenon. a Utah. <laughs> um, You're like, it, it was the big. biggest movie of the year. Big. And it's like <laughs> it won the Mormon Church's Oscar Awards. I doubt it. Um but no, I think it's I think it's a good film, and honestly, I'd recommend it to people still because it does it does a good job of kind of like highlighting um, just sort of this fallacy and how humans treat animals, and like not that I'm like I think there's this sort of weird flippant disregard for animal activists as if they're saying that an orca means more than a person. I don't think it's that simple. I don't think that's what they're saying. But I think this movie was part of my um, growing political maybe voice or frustration and realizing like there are some things that don't have to be that are just normalized but can change and so i liked it a lot hmm interesting i mean i famously don't really like animals that I know, much but so you'd be like oh, but i feel like i would probably be supportive of this in that i think sea world it's like why are we doing this like yes, just let exactly. up fish live in the Ugh, and you'll ocean. find out you like, find out so many more fascinating points about like let's like avoid them the way they lie about the the life the life what is it called the the length the of sea life. world people lie yeah they're like oh, oh most well, orcas only live more, most orcas only live like 30 years in the wild so they are, honestly have longer lives here but actually they're like 100 years old out there in the ocean or their fins wow. are pointed up straight but in sea world they're just curled over from <sighs> depression honestly wow. honestly Honestly. Okay. Uh, okay. Next up. Next up is, I think it's the most traumatic 
thing on my list. And I was like, should I bring this up? Because it's going to be sad. But then I was okay. like, no, I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, this is a movie. It came out on November 2nd, 2018. Uh, I went and saw it by myself because I knew that it was going to be a tough watch and then continued to sob through like 50% of the movie. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. We've definitely talked about it on the podcast. We'll be, I, we didn't do a whole episode on it, but we, like, I guess, I think this would have been, I think this appeared in our rankings and stuff. Would it have been, like, is it, it it's, it's a fictional? Drama. It's like a drama? It's like a... Uh, no, it's based on a memoir. Oh, Hmm. It was in the Oscar conversation, but it like never really took off in a big way. Although the lead actor uh, was nominated for an Oscar before. Is it like, I don't know what came out in 2018. Would it be like eighth grade? Uh, like, I, yes, you're close. It's it's about a boy growing up and his relationship with his parents who are, his dad is a pastor. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember the, is it, um, it has the guy who's in like every teen, I mean, is it the three billboards, dude? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's Boy Erased. Boy Erased, Boy Erased, yeah, Starring yeah, yeah. Lucas Hedges oh, and yeah. <laughs> Nicole Kidman in a yes. deranged blonde wig yes. and also Russell Crowe. Yes. And... That was a good movie. Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, yeah, I, I really liked it. I watched it twice. I don't know if I could watch it again. It was traumatic, to say yeah. the least. But, yeah, no, I, like, growing up in a super Christian place... Like, I was never sent to conversion therapy, but we sort of, like, you know, did the uh, – probably because that would be too expensive. <laughs> so my parents did more of, like, the right-away version. Like, oh, like, let's uh, send some letters to somebody and get some instructions and we'll do this on our own. Mm, and you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A real fun way to get yeah. to spend your time. Um, and, yeah, I – this this came out, like, I had moved to – New York, I was in the process of, you know, sort of like figuring everything out and working through things. And I don't know, like, I feel like my upbringing in some ways is not unique at all, but in some ways it is. And I think being in New York, especially, it felt really sort of in so many ways, moving to New York is the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was so freeing. And I met so many wonderful people and it's changed my life in a million wonderful ways. Yeah. But in other ways, it was fairly isolating because it's like, here I am with this experience that a lot of other people have with religious upbringings. But a lot of those people don't end up in New York necessarily and or they weren't friends with me at the time. And so I was sort of like processing all of these things by myself and to watch a movie that's like, oh, my gosh, like this is my yeah. life like depicted for me. And these and like other people have gone through this same exact experience and have come out on the other side and been, you know, happy, wonderful, successful writers. Mm -hmm. I was like wow this is captivating and so moving and so sad and yeah I, I like knew that it was going to have an impact on me and so I purposefully like 
bought tickets to go see by myself and it was yeah just yeah. like i had to wait in the theater for like 15 minutes afterwards and just be like whoo i have to get myself together before i go back out in the world because i look like such a mess <laughs> in the lincoln center amc lobby but well, i'm sure it's hard too especially since you weren't like out at the time so yeah so it's like i wasn't able to really like talk with other yeah. people about it either because i was still you know, working through things. But yeah. I do th- I do give it a lot of credit of sort of like moving me, like pushing me down the path yeah. way a good chunk, you know? Yeah. I think if I hadn't seen it, it would have taken me a lot longer to sort of process through things. Right. Well, good. Hmm. Um, I Yeah, have... what do you have to follow up that? <laughs> I know. I'm like, ooh, pithy way to transition to this next one. Uh, to the Trolls movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking you back to 2015. Um, this is Taylor Swift related, um, but it was. Oh, this is. No, <laughs> you're like ready for it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like. This is when you went to her apartment, but no, oh, no, that was. I did consider that, but this is more about. Um, 2015. I, it was honestly. Was it this was Snake Day? Us. It was you and me. We were working. At, together at the same time at the time it was a glorious day it was for me <laughs> a glorious day no it was um so ryan adams came out with his cover of 1989 which was oh ryan adams did like this alternative you know indie remix of her entire album like just remix it but it had all the same lyrics um and it was a weird time because obviously you were a source of combativeness about my love of Taylor and my respect for Taylor. And I know the LGR office in particular was like constantly on my balls about whether or not Taylor Well, you were easy stuff. to rile up. Yeah. Or like, why was she so popular or she's not that talented? And it was like, whatever. I was always like trying to like talk to these people about how, no, she's talented. She does her own thing. She plays her instruments, like all of this. And then Ryan Adams comes out here and he's like, oh yeah, I just uh, remixed your album. Suddenly everyone's like, wow, these lyrics, they're so deep. Oh my gosh, the emotion in these songs, like it's just so powerful. And it was like, so it was such a distinct period of time where I was like, is this misogyny? Like I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I've like, never sexism seen this in before. action. Like it was just like this weird, you know, because you know, it, Taylor Swift has always been sort of like controversial or like I'd have to like stand up for her or whatever. But it was weird to see it play out on the public scale of like, oh, this is art and what she did was just popular. And it was like the the strangeness of having it be basically the same product, but it's more palatable when it's from this dude's perspective and voice and instrumentation and whatever else. And like watching Taylor herself have to like celebrate his achievement to be like, oh, I love what you did with this. Like you really brought out a new emotion. And just like I will forever be fascinated by that period where she was like promoting him, but he was like benefiting off of her work. And it was like everyone was tripping over themselves to say like, wow, cool job, Ryan. Like what a cool project that it was just kind of like, it was very strange. Like it was very odd to me. And I, I think that like radicalized me in a distinct way because I was like, what, what the F am I dealing with here? Like <laughs> I felt like it was in the upside down or some sort of like 
weird, strange world where it's like, why why are we Kendom. not connecting these dots? <laughs> they were mm. all there before, but now he makes it better. <laughs> I don't think so. So Yeah, I mean, I uh I remember that coming out. I don't know if I ever listened to that, but Yeah. I I mean, I feel like you were such a hater that you wouldn't have even wanted to listen right to his no 100 percent, definitely <laughs> so at least you were like steady in your convictions <laughs> yes which i respect yeah. yeah no and taylor i mean i still don't really like taylor swift obviously um it was you were such an easy target though yeah. in the office i feel like tim and i would just have to say one thing and you'd be like ah, blah, 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 blah. yeah well the, the sexism gets exhausting okay Sex end of the day so- it's just good old fashioned patriarchy, okay? Um, no, it's not sexism because I support <laughs> Lady Gaga. You know? Yeah, but wanting to rile me up—that's oh, sexism. No, I like to rile everybody up. So <laughs> it's called banter, and you just weren't quite <laughs> taking to it yet. You know, I had to. I had to. I feel like I had to warm you up to be like, okay, like I say these things, but they actually don't matter anything. I'm just no, but it does spar. matter. It does matter because what you're saying, what society is saying, is that women's interests don't matter. That they're flippant. That they're jokes. That they're punchlines, and that's frustrating. I guess so, but Brian Adams, you know, he, he was better at the song. <laughs> Okay, what's no. your last item? What? Okay, my, my last one. So I had to like sort of rework this because once I realized it was chronological order and I was like, well, I can't be leaving us with this depressing ass boy erased <laughs> plot line. So I was like, we got to figure out something that's been impactful since then right, that right. I can talk about. And so, so I have a movie that came out last year, last summer, June 3rd, 2022, a rom-com. <laughs> And and relevant because to something that we were talking about before the podcast started or before we started recording. Oh, Fire Island. Yes. <laughs> uh, of all Fire the two hundred and twenty-two movies, I thought you might bring up. I I gotta say that wasn't that wasn't on my radar. For what movie there. did you think I was gonna bring? I almost I thought talked everything, about everything everywhere, everywhere all at once. once. Yes, I mean but I love I that can movie see why so this one much. Matters more to you as a person individually in this moment. I mean, Everything Everywhere All at Once is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is the best movie of last year. One of the best movies ever made. Yeah. But, and I did feel like much more of an emotional connection to that movie when I saw it than I did to Fire Island. But I think when it comes to my life as a whole, Fire Island... One, I I got early screeners for it, so I watched it on Fire Island with my friends, which was fun. But also just like this movie about the, you know, all of these different queer people hanging out together on Fire Island, which is a place that I love to go to, and the community and the joy and the camaraderie. And then it's mixed in with a retelling of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice and you know I'm a literary snob so Mm -hmm. obviously I loved all of those references and the cast is incredible and there's a great Britney Spears moment and they talk about my cousin Vinny and there's (laughs) it's just like such a wonderful fun uplifting movie and I like to think that 
that, that like if Boy Erased was like the first part of my existence yeah. in life, that Fire Island is like what I'm trying to have in the second part of yes. my life. And yeah. that and that like comparison and that like um juxtaposition I think is very exciting. Yeah. Well, and you just keep going to try and have your Pride and Prejudice moment. Yeah, I know, and it's not working. Dang it! Are other Fire Island uh, Islanders loving Fire Island as well? The are movie. Other, like, are they? Are, are, do people generally like it, or is it like looked down on? Like, no, I think people gener, gener, oh, generally good. like it. Also, I saw one of the people from the cast out there. Like, if, oh my gosh. Like the, most of the cast of Fire Island like aren't that famous, and yeah. a lot of them live in New York. So if you don't see one of them, it's sort of like what's <laughs> happening. Also, Billy Porter was out there too. Um, yeah, you always see some vague B-listy gay celebrity yeah. while you're there, and yeah, but no, I haven't found love on Fire Island yet. Every time I'm like, wait, maybe it's this, and then it just you know never quite <laughs> works out. But. That doesn't mean I'll stop. There's trying. always next summer. Yeah. There's always next year. I know. I went three times this year and I was like, okay, I like this is we done. I can't go back. Like this <laughs> is it. my friends were like, what about September? I was like, no. I was like, <laughs> it's like we have to take a break. Yeah, you gotta recharge. But um, come next May, I'll be dragging my suitcase <laughs> along the boardwalk, desperate to find love yet again. Maybe I'll maybe I will have found love by that. Yeah. Point. And I'll be going yeah. out there with my boyfriend. Exactly. We're manifesting that. Love it for you. Gorgeous. Mm. I keep trying to get Rory to go with me, but he Rory's a hater. Rory's a hater. Yeah. Rory's like, no, sorry, I can't. I have a salon at my apartment where we're all going to read Twilight and talk about how <laughs> crappy it is. Yeah, he'd be good at that party, honestly. I would go to that. Um, but no, that's that's a fun time. Maybe maybe I'll get an invite someday. Am maybe. I enough of an ally? I mean, honestly, the person who I'd want to bring with me is is uh, Rob because <laughs> I'm like – Rob, Rob, now in LA, watched every season of Drag Race yes. in the past six months. Like wild. I know. Wild. Truly, he'll he'll say something. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, sorry, that's just something someone said on this show. And it just goes over my head. I'm I lost a language with him. Honestly, that window. Yeah, there's closed. so many references. Yeah. So many references that you're just not. I know. Getting. I know. Oh, it's too bad. Um, hmm. Okay. What's your last one? Okay. I feel like either way I go, you'll be mad at me. <laughs> okay, well, don't pick a third Taylor Swift thing. <laughs> no, no, no. It was going to be – honestly, I was going to talk about the um, the the Chanel Miller's original, like, uh, the Stanford rapist, like, case, because that was really informative to me as a feminist. But it's pretty heavy. And so I don't want to end on that. Who's <laughs> Chanel Miller, the Stanford rapist, famously 2016 Brock Turner. Um, he was oh, charged for like six months girl? in jail. No, 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 no. He w- he raped. He was found like he was discovered behind a um, a, a dumpster, like assaulting this drunk girl. And so the case was there because it's like, oh, Brock Turner, he's such a talented swimmer. Like, is this going to ruin his life? Oh, type thing. yes. Yes, 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 yes. And yes, so yes, then yes, yes. she was she was an anonymous, like, victim. So she released her statement to BuzzFeed, like, that summer. And no one Not knew who she BuzzFeed. was until she released her book, Know My Name, um, in 2020, which is just so powerful, so good. And that whole story was, like, very much 
radicalizing for me and kind of a big turning point. But like I said, dark, heavy, sad. And I think something that has stood out to me is more relevant now. So my final item will be um, July 24th, 2023. July 24th. <laughs> oh my gosh, is this that freaking Barbie movie? Yeah, but more, or no, it's Oppenheimer. No, it's, it's Oppenheimer. It's definitely not Oppenheimer. Never ever speak that. You name again. love Sanskrit. Um, it's basically, Beetlejuice. For You're me. like wow. <laughs> no, but it's not necessarily Barbie in particular. I've more loved the sort of this summer of girlhood that sprung up out of it with that and the Beyonce and the Taylor Swift tours and sort of this re accepting way to all try to lump girlish. Beyonce into this to make me get on board <laughs> yeah, you ah, have I see to how accept. this is working <laughs> but also this isn't about you you know like this is about like I think like similar to what I was saying with Taylor Swift there's been this sort of policing of what women can be interested in or take seriously and I feel like this summer has been a real healing balm for a lot of people and it's been so fun to like see the TikToks and see the like acceptance of girlhood and and going from girl dinner to like the the TikTok Girl trends dinner. of like running through the waves with your friends or romanticizing your own life with like the Billie Eilish song. I just feel like there's enough joy in the summer that we haven't really like seen in a singular kind of capsule. And I've really admired that that was brought out by something as silly and fun and maybe misunderstood as Barbie. Um, because we all are Barbie and we all are Knuff, you know? Yeah, and I will say, which I said on the podcast yes. as well, like, so exciting to have a phenomenon that is Barbie and to have so many people, like, dressing up and going to the theater and hanging out with friends and so many memes and everybody's talking about it. And now that the movie is, you know, made a billion dollars, will definitely be the biggest movie of the year. Like, I think that does so much for uh, female filmmakers, female directors, like women centered stories. Like hopefully this moves us even further down the path of like, yeah, like you're like, we can do better. <laughs> yeah. Like we can do better. <laughs> well, we can definitely do better, <laughs> but like we can spend more money on female led projects. Like this isn't something where it's like, Oh, it's going to lose money. Oh, like yeah. just don't want to go see movies about women. It's like, no, this is the like pinkest girliest movie that's ever been made. And it's, it's doing gangbusters at the box office. Yeah. Meanwhile, all of the Marvel movies are sucking <laughs> ass. So exactly. It's a dream. Um, and I just, I think that encapsulates sort of like you were coloring with your journey of self-acceptance, I think this sort of, you know, a lot of my life events have felt sort of like insular, like I'm the one who has to do the work and like kind of learn out, like the people around me weren't necessarily like helping anyway, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to finally feel like there's a little glimmer of hope and like communal understanding, even if it's still like <laughs> percentage-wise, uh, not changing policies yet. Um, but I think it's been a nice summer to kind of heal that kind of loneliness or, or frustration or fear that comes with being a woman um, because so much of that was like a learning curve and sad and scary. And like, you know, I could have talked so much about the not all men hashtag or the yes, all women, like all of that. But I think 
this turning point feels a little bit, a little brighter. Yeah. Yeah. Got to end on a happy note and happy for you because even though I disliked Barbie, it was because you <laughs> have gotten so into my head that you've broken it. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it's still, even me not liking it is actually just a win for you. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask, because I feel like as millennials, we have such an odd assortment of early YouTube videos. Um, oh, yes. Do you have one that like honestly comes to mind first or something that has a chokehold on your memory? Well, I feel like we maybe I maybe we talked about this at some point, but I was such a big Bo Burnham fan. Oh, okay. Younger yeah. when I was younger, and watched all of those videos and just like thought he was so clever and so witty with all of the words and everything. Yeah. And have sort of it's been interesting to kind of watch him evolve as a person, and I think that in some ways like that has been i don't know it's, it's he's gotten you know so much more liberal and and yeah so have i so that's been kind of an interesting thing to follow but also i feel like i so many of the youtube videos that i thought were hysterical when i was younger are like so problematic now like i loved shane dawson like oh. the like the like white girl pretending to be like an Asian <laughs> nail tech, you know, like those kind of things. I just remember like in 2007 or whenever being like, wow, the height, like the height of comedy. And now I'm like, this is what What about the Potter puppet pals? Oh, yes. And Potter puppet pals, obviously. Or the they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Did you ever see? I was not a Lord of the Rings person, but I do know what that video is. Yes, Charlie the Unicorn. But uh, but um, but not not uh, a very Potter musical. A very Potter musical. Charlie bit me. No, (laughs) Charlie Charlie the Unicorn. It was like this badly. Oh yes, no, or old Greg. Old Greg. (laughs) terrifying so many weird things well and old greg is the guy who hosts british bake-off oh weird did you know that no wow look at that the sort of like guy with the like black shaggy-ish hair or whatever yeah he's old greg oh weird yeah give him the milk josh there's just so many random one i'm gonna tie you to the radiator and grape (laughs) you on the mouth did you watch the grapest yes i was obsessed with that and now i'm like i can't believe i ever thought that was funny it's just a rape joke (laughs) i mean yes but also we um i also thought it was hilarious to say growing up like front hug people called frug and so we'd be talking about frugging each other and that's like and i was like wow like the height so of edgy. comedy. So yeah. edgy. I'm like, oh, get so a life. Funny. Yeah, you'll have to send me some embarrassing pictures or uh, uh, tangible uh, collector items from these things you've mentioned so that we can drag ourselves. On. You know, I should have talked about Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah, your Jar Jar Binks chair. I, I could have I brought infamy. back up my Jar Jar Binks chair. <laughs> uh, I love him so much. Did you? There was, um, uh, there was a meme going around that was like Jar Jar Jarby or Jar Jar B. Mm-mm. With Barbie, it was like oh. Jar Jar, but in the Barbie thing. And I was like, ah, this Barbie's a Jar Jar. <laughs> so mm. cute. <laughs> ah, well, this is crazy, Shelby, that we've done this for five I know. years now. And look We're at almost us. at our 250th episode, which... Oh, we'll have to think of another ranking Another to do. <laughs> milestone. But I feel like that means that we've been pretty on top of this. Yeah. Because for five years, we've, you know... Oh, done yeah. probably like 45 episodes a year. I know. Look at us. 
We're honestly a, a foundational podcast for some people at this point. Yeah, I mean, truly. I should hope so. There's people, you know, have gotten married, had babies, <laughs> moved, gone to all of college in the time that we've been doing this. Hopefully come out, maybe left Mormonism. Who knows? You know, what's yes, going on? More, started drinking. <laughs> inspiring. Had yeah. a baby. <laughs> Freed a bunch of orcas. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Taylor Swift has released 17 versions of oh, the same album yeah. since then. You know. <laughs> Lady Gaga not figured out what she's doing next. I mean, pick a lane. No, it's the Joker. It's coming. <laughs> Joker 2. Next Poor year. Line. And, oh, she's yeah, doing an, well, and she's doing a residency, but it's just a jazz residency. The next residency she, she does in Vegas that's like pop music, I'm going to go to because I want to go to Las so, Vegas. Yeah. You can come with. Oh, thank you. That's so generous. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what we're doing next week. I think uh, Meg 2 is right there. Um, oh, no. I want to do the Dracula on the boat movie. <laughs> oh, that looks scary. Yeah, that but it looks scary. Fun. We have to. We did Renfield. <laughs> we did Meg <laughs> five years ago. We did do the Meg, but Ruby Rose isn't in it, and I. Did you see it premiered part. with zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes? No. Yeah, absolutely iconic. It's gotten better now. Like it, that was with six reviews, but hilarious. Woof. Ugh. Okay. okay. Well, okay. this episode has been long. Thank you, everybody, for listening. For listening to this, and also for listening for the past five years. If you yeah. have, if you haven't listened for very long, there's five years worth of archives that you can go and listen <laughs> there to, are. and slowly watch Shelby and I devolve into madness, but also to become much better people. Yes. Yeah. Learning and growing. Learning and growing. I shudder to think about things I said on the early episodes, but like Carrie's <laughs> case, COVID, button, really? I will not be. <laughs> Revisiting what's COVID? No, not the COVID episodes. Not Hysterical. the COVID episodes. <laughs> not not me being Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, people, some people are gonna die, but whatever. It's coming up for five yeah. minutes. Everything's fine here in Queens. Look, yeah. people are outside. Uh, okay, to end on that note. My yep. God. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>